Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast, Explosions and Fire. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And today on the podcast, we're chatting with the enigmatic Hildegard von Blingen, purveyor of Bardcore. Welcome to the show, Hildegard. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. And if you want, you can just call me Hildy, since we're friends now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Hildy's always a great way of doing it. Yeah, that's oh how I sign my emails. Sweet. Keep it casual. I don't know if the actual abbess would have approved of that, but probably not. I'll never be her. <laughs> so first off, I would love to hear a little bit more about your name. And Aaron assures me that this is not your given name. Yeah, no, I I picked this name kind of out of a hat. Hildegard von Bingen was an abbess from Germany in the Middle Ages. And she was a very cool lady who wrote music and was a polymath. She was into like biology and medicine, and uh, she kind of did advice for people as well. She sort of dabbled in everything, and I think she's a really inspiring figure, so I decided to steal her name and absolutely butcher it in in her honor. <laughs> but also bring it to a new group of people, right? Because I had never heard of yeah. her before. When Aaron told me that, I was like, duh, and then I, and then I went to Wikipedia and I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, no, no shame there. I feel like women in history are often kind of forgotten about, but she's she's a special one. And she also got to live to a like a ripe old age. She didn't have to die horribly like Joan of Arc to get famous. But yeah, I I think I I picked it mostly because I was doing medieval inspired music and she has like a large repertoire of of beautiful chants. And yeah, I guess I never actually introduced my channel, but just to give some background there, I create Bardcore on YouTube primarily. I started three years ago during the the Great Plague lockdown. I was unemployed and I had nothing better to do. So I started making covers of basically medieval-ish versions of modern pop songs and rock. And I've since expanded into doing video game music. And today I actually just released my first 15-minute ambient track over on Patreon mm. because I've noticed a lot of my viewers are D&D nerds and have often been asking for instrumentals or things to put in the backgrounds of their games. So I finally Guilty as charged. You are on with two D&D nerds who love their ambient music. So thank you for doing that for us. Exactly. Well, I myself am a, a longtime D&D nerd. <laughs> I've That's been playing great. since I was a kid, so I feel like it. maybe it shows. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Brian's more of a newbie. He's uh, definitely one of the, uh, the D&D COVID babies, for sure. I'm one of the plague kids. Uh, Aw, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Welcome. It's never too late to start. I think a thanks. lot of people got their start around that. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> so with your experience in D&D, what has been your favorite thing to play? Oh, you know, a bard, of course. <laughs> Predictable. That I, I do like playing spellcasters. I find I've tried pretty much every class, but I get a little bored if I don't have a lot of complexity and utility. And I just want spells. I want things to do and I want long turns. Nothing is worse than playing a fighter and just missing your shot and then waiting exactly. an hour for it to come back to you. And then that's all you got. You're just like, OK, well, yeah. I'll wait till the next well, round. I brought six arrows. I shot six arrows. You're welcome. I'm going okay. So, okay. So if you play a bard, do you like, if when you're doing bardic inspiration, do you like actually sing during your games? <laughs> no, that would be kind of cool, but maybe tiring for everyone else involved. Oh, we have a friend who does that, and it's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> well, sometimes we'll, we'll pick music that kind of represents the moment, but yeah, I, I played the close cousin of D&D &D, Pathfinder for mm. about 
five years in a really long campaign. And we got to level 20, mythic 10. It was just absurd. I could create a (laughs) blizzard the size of New York, (laughs) that sort of thing. Yeah, but for the most part, we would just put on, you know, our motif. Everyone got to have a theme song. So that's the alternative. I'm actually rather shy in reality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, you have some walk-on music. That's amazing. And I would assume that you've maybe um, practiced your vicious mockery. Do you have some, you know, quotes you throw out there that, you know, a little more medieval flavored whenever you play? Oh, I should have done that. I did do a a sort of bard competition. There is in the campaign, a yearly event where kingdoms would basically compete, kind of medieval Olympics. And one of the games was a a bardic competition where you have to insult each other until one of you wins so i i was doing a mixture of of describing what i was saying and then rolling the dice but i i feel like this version of myself was a lot more eloquent on the spot so i'd have to say like oh i say something really biting and cool i don't know what it is but (laughs) that's how i'm used to bards going where they're like i say something that absolutely destroyed them because i rolled a 20. yeah exactly (laughs) that's that's always one of those those challenges whenever you're playing especially as me as the forever dm is giving people that outlet of being able to either act it out or to just say you did it because people still want to be able to live that fantasy of getting a little bit outside of their normal comfort zone at the same time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah Aaron, that's the whole point yeah you may Aaron, you make it sound like you go either way with that but as a dm you usually like if someone's like well i rolled high on persuasion and you're like well what did you say to them you like mm. push them to actually <laughs> think of something. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's the the sadist in me. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but but also like I do give like extra points if somebody can, you know, do well and they rolled horribly. So at least that, there is a positive side to it. So. That's true. That's true. Mm. Hildy, your voice is incredible. You must be a trained singer. Oh, thank you. Yes and no. I, I did take voice lessons with a, a classical sort of teacher. When did I start? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, credit where it's due. She was great. I started around age 12, I think, and went to 18, but I, I never went to university for this. I actually went to school for art instead. So I've, I guess I'm like half self-taught, half properly trained. I've learned a lot through this process about music. When I started, I barely knew how to kind of produce my own instrumentals. And now I'm like, making scores for short films and stuff. And it's been a really cool education. That's so cool. That's awesome. So I'm assuming with your art background, you're the one that's creating the art for your posts. Is that correct? Yes, in a a way. Sometimes I'm just kind of curating it. I think because it takes so long to make the music, Mm. by the time I get to the end, I just want to find something (laughs) and and put it up there but it's it's a mixture so some of it is sourced from actual manuscripts like a lot of it some of it i f- source and then really heavily edit it so it's almost unrecognizable and other stuff i do make from scratch so yeah it's a, it's a mixture but it definitely helps having that background i can you know I, I can kind of make everything myself that's great okay so there's this amazing thing that that happens on your youtube page and in your instagram and it's like this sort of comedic parody kind of vibe in mm-hmm. the background. Tell me about that and where that comes from. Like even your your sort of like little icon is the the nun with like the like the like sixty four bit glasses on. Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk to me about how you kind of curate this and how you think about this comedic parody kind of vibe? Yeah, yeah, that's well observed. It's definitely a character, and I wouldn't say that I'm particularly in character right now. Like when I do interviews, I'm, I'm just myself. But online, I do tend to 
throw out a few hey nannies, you know, these <laughs> and those, <laughs> and so on. <laughs> I I think the the glasses. I threw on early on because it's just a good reminder that this is not serious. Don't don't take it too seriously. <laughs> when I say medieval, I mean that so broadly, so loosely. Because of course you'll get the the keyboard warriors in there who are like, yeah, you used this wrong, and this is you know, what's the word? And an anachronistic. This is anachronistic, yeah. and mm. and and so on. Well, yeah, it is by nature. It's already not accurate. I think the idea of historical accuracy is also kind of a problematic one because we don't have time machines. But the language I'm using is fairly Elizabethan, which is not even remotely medieval. That is centuries later. <laughs> so so the parody is kind of like a, a, a little reminder that I'm just having fun. This is just silly. Uh, I'm not doing this from like an academic standpoint. I'm, I'm not Sting. Like So Sting famously did this album of, of John Dowland music and my, my my grandma hates it. <laughs> she has a lot to say about it. I love it. I think it's wonderful. But he did it with like so such just gravitas. Like he was really serious. But I I, I think at the core of Bardcore, we're we're just having fun. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the way we think of Romans speaking mm. like proper British English, and yeah. it, has, it has nothing to do whatsoever with history. It's so true that I do, I guess it. I accept the fact that British, that this sort of RP, you could call it, is mm-hmm. the standard for most historical dramas, but mm-hmm. it is kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> and kind just, of arbitrary. Too. There. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it's better than like, you know, hearing them all sound American. Or... Yeah. Ooh, or their speak... accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like Brooklyn or something like that. Exactly. It's perfect. But so, it is interesting too that I just I've noticed too that like the Cockney accent is now the stand-in for if they're lower class or so oh, on. Yeah. Like mm-hmm, they're sort mm-hmm. of using these English accents in different ways. <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> but you were saying. Oh yeah, I was just curious. You know, I know that you went into this probably for a lot of uh, fun, especially during you know a tough time for everyone, especially yourself. And you have this incredible following now on YouTube, you know, what's it been like? And how is it being able to go out there and really do this really fun thing for everyone? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's been kind of amazing. It really came out of nowhere for me. A lot of it was that I was kind of riding on the coattails of another YouTuber, Cornelius Link. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice guy from Germany. That's his real name, by the way. Whoa. <laughs> um, but he... He kind of blew up the internet with the, the that coffin dance. I think it's called Astronomia. Mm. It, it was sort of like one of the first, I guess, bardcore videos to go viral. Not that people weren't doing medieval-inspired covers before. It's just this is when the algorithm picked it up. And so he did a cover of Pumped Up Kicks with no vocals. And that's what I grabbed and did my own cover. And and then I, I it just kind of exploded. So that was my experience of it going viral. I just, it felt completely overnight. I'm so grateful because I just kind of kept making music and I'm glad people stuck around because I I was a little slow. I was like, I went back to work and I didn't know how I was going to keep it up. So it was kind of sporadic, but right now I'm actually trying to focus a bit more on like getting one song out a month. And I have this Patreon that I just started. So yeah, it's giving me the freedom to kind of do this almost full time. And I'm yeah, really grateful. It's, it's a lot of fun. Great. I love that. Okay. Can we hear you talk about some of your favorite pieces that you've done? And of course, you know, we're going to tell you about some of ours, but you go first. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, the one that kind of always sticks with me is Jolene. I think because sometimes you pick a song and it just doesn't work. There have been some that I started and had to give up like a week into working on them. But this one, it just fits so well. Like Dolly Parton just wrote a song that seems to work <laughs> so well in this genre. <laughs> I think folk and and sort of country, it just translates over easily. So I had a lot of fun with that one. But recently, I really enjoyed making Painted Black and Hurt. Mm. Anything like a little bit edgy. I'm trying to kind of get a little wilder with my my instrumentals. So at the end of Painted Black, I I was inspired by the piece Carmina Burana. <laughs> and I added a whole <laughs> choir and, and went nuts with that. <laughs> So those are kind of my faves right now. Aaron, wasn't Jolene yours? That was the first one that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's maybe your most downloaded song, but it definitely is for a reason if it's not. I mean, it's it's such an incredible song, and I do actually have a deep passion for that song. I don't know what it is, why I love Jolene so much, you know, of all the different versions, whether it's mm-hmm. Dolly Parts original, but it's just, a, it's just a great song, and it translates so well to the bardcore. Yeah, it's just a beautiful song, and it... I feel like it structurally is really similar to some of the songs that the Troubadours were doing, or even like the John Dowland songs, mm-hmm. who is a, a Renaissance composer. The just lovelorn, really, I don't know, usually a little bit sad, but just infinitely catchy. Okay, so House of the Rising Sun, mm-hmm. your version of that, as I was listening to it, I know we were talking about tongue-in-cheek and all that kind of stuff, but there's something really resonant in that song that to me kind of helps me understand maybe like the commonalities of just the human condition across time. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's something about the basics of love and loss and all these things that I think your music to me actually captures and maybe this whole genre actually captures, but that one you know, it's, 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 it's bardcore and it's silly, but like, I found myself being really kind of moved by that song and your version. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, as much as I talk about silliness, it's, I guess when I'm working within the persona, I, I try to maintain that level of lightness so that people understand my intention. But to be honest, when I'm working on a song, like in the middle of it, I am actually dead serious. So maybe yeah, that's kind you of can what tell. you're perceiving. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do find the music really moving. I like I there were times during the recording of Hurt, for instance, I had to stop. I was crying. <laughs> it's mm. a, like such a beautiful song. And it, you know, made me think of some of the loss we've experienced in my family. And House of the Rising Sun is just, yeah, there's 
there's something to it. And I tried to keep the the like the integrity of the meaning alive there. And mm-hmm. also that was a collaboration with another YouTuber, Al Gal the Bard, who's just an amazing multi-instrumentalist. So he did the instrumental for that one. And I got to just fully focus on on the vocals. And I had fun with the like the harmony in that one. But I guess an interesting thing is when I change the lyrics, it gives me an opportunity to maybe add another layer of meaning mm. or explore something different. So with that one, it was still very much about I guess, getting lost in vice, I guess, yeah. you know, gambling and and sort of losing your soul <laughs> and that kind of idea. And I feel like that that is a, a timeless problem, right? So it wasn't tough to to just tweak the lyrics here and there. That one slayed me for sure. Oh, nice job. Thank you. So I have a two-parter on this one. How did you come into doing uh, Down by the River from Baldur's Gate 3? And then also, have you gotten into Baldur's Gate 3? Oh, uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked. That was an amazing day, the day I got the the email from Larian Studios. I thought it was a scam. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this can't be real. It, you wouldn't believe how often I get emails that are from fake game companies. Like it, it is pretty <laughs> rampant and, and difficult and mm. a little bit, you know, soul crushing when you're like, oh, great. This is not real. But it it looked pretty real. So I went through like several <laughs> stages of, of, I guess, disbelief. Because once I was like, oh, they've got a good signature here. All of this looks legit. Then I went into the phase of like, oh, I. I'm I can't do this. I'm not I'm not good enough. I, I should just say no. Because <laughs> I, I played Divinity too. And awesome. I just loved yeah. the game and the soundtrack. Oh my god, so so good. And I played Baldur's Gate growing up. That was like one of my favorite mm. series. So yeah, I was pretty blown away. That was definitely like a a wake-up call that I was like, God, this is really where I am now. <laughs> so very honored that they reached out to me to do that. And originally they were considering having me write something new, something different, not to go in the game. This is still mm-hmm. just promotion. But yeah, in the end, they asked me just to do a, a cover of that one. pretty accurate to the original. I didn't really change anything. I did do the instrumental myself, even though it sounds almost exactly the same. Mm. I think you wouldn't be able to tell, but yeah, I had a really wonderful time working on that. And they were such like just gracious people to work with. And and then I, I have played a bit of the game. I'm really, really slow though. I'm still in act one. 
yeah. playing a wizard. <laughs> I'm nice. not a bard, as it turns out. <laughs> but yeah, the game is just like, wow, it's it's so lush, so detailed. And I have a problem with wanting to open every box and vase <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and explore every nook and cranny. I like I can't stop myself. So so everyone is so much farther ahead than me. And I just yeah, I think as I as I got older, I started to struggle with playing for 10 hours in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, go figure, we can't play like we did when we were teenagers. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to sit down and play more. It's, yeah, it's a great game. And I, I'm embarrassed to say how many hours uh, I have in Divinity Original Sin 2 Steam account. <laughs> it's pretty insane. And I also played all the Baldur's Gate games growing up as well. So great, mm-hmm. great choices for stuff, for sure. Yeah. And it makes D&D like, accessible to people mm-hmm. who maybe don't have a group. I think that's a really nice aspect of it and maybe is introducing people to the mechanics a little bit um yeah i think i was playing Baldur's Gate before i was actually playing D at the table come to think of it yeah, that would be about right i mean the, yeah. i could see that too yeah for sure okay so hilda you mentioned your patreon can you tell us a little bit about that process and what do people get if they're patrons of yours yeah for sure so i had a lot of people saying oh you should make a patreon for like basically since I started and I really had a lot of trepidation around that because I was I was nervous about making it and not being able to keep up with it or letting people down or I don't know it just felt like a a big hurdle and then I guess about a month and a half ago I was just like ah, I'm just gonna do it <laughs> sometimes you have to kind of I guess take the step and then hope that your other foot's gonna catch up if that makes sense <laughs> so so I started it and it's it's just a single tier. It's five bucks a month, kind of like a like a just a club. I think when I realized I didn't have to have a bunch of complicated different tiers, that's when I realized that mm-hmm. this could be just a an easier process on myself and a community that I can create on there. So the idea is it's just a, a place you can go to help support my music because some people, they just wanted to pay back because you know, they've been enjoying it for a few years and they just want to help. But on top of that, I'm trying to also make sure that there's some interesting content there. So what I'm doing is making some behind the scenes stuff and extra goodies. So like instrumentals for my songs that aren't available anywhere else. And as I mentioned today, I shared an ambient track that's 15 minutes long and I had a lot of fun making that. We we did a poll basically where I, I had a bunch of prompts i suppose where i was like pick 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 one of these and tell me what you want me to make so one of the options was a marshy battlefield dungeon some sort of deep dungeon and a witch cabin in the woods and and so on and everyone really liked witch cabin in the woods so i went with like a baba yaga theme and yeah so i'm doing stuff like that various behind the scenes things i think at some point i'll do a q and a as well it's it's a nice place to start sharing some of the stuff that is maybe a little different from what I'm doing on YouTube or cuz cuz on YouTube you have to consider always like what's going to do well. What does the algorithm want? What's trendy right now? And mm-hmm. I try not to let that rule my decisions too much, but on Patreon I I know that I can start experimenting a little bit and see what people want to see and maybe do some, you know, some more original music. Um, yeah, so yeah, like that's your, my approach there. Yeah, like your dedicated fan base there. That's really cool. Yeah, just a little club. I'm trying to like also just get to know people a little more and and have a little bit more interaction. Because on YouTube, it's it's a bit of a like a 
I don't know, a, a black hole of comments. Like it's hard to sort of respond to everybody. And I do try to, when I post a video, I'll hang out in the comments for like the first 20 minutes. But yeah, Patreon's just, it's a little more intimate. So I will ask you our one challenging question that we have that always trips people up. Ooh. So what didn't we ask you that we should have? Oh my gosh, that's tough. Well, you or, didn't ask me which edition of D&D I think is best. Okay, let's go with that. Which edition <laughs> Ooh, do you let's think do is it. best? Oh, but then it's going to spark a fight. <laughs> no, no, I like those. those <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, but that's that's hard. It actually is hard. I, I honestly do think that maybe this is obvious, but I think 5th edition really like is a good, solid system. <laughs> I did grow up playing 3.5. Mm-hmm. My dad played D&D back in the 80s, I guess, in, in college. So he was playing like the original <laughs> where nice. Elf Elf was a class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, you're just Elf. Yeah, you are Elf. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. But yeah, I have so much nostalgia for the 3.5 books. But yeah, I think fifth is good. I do have like a soft spot for Pathfinder as well, though. Just the complexity of that system is nice. And I guess recently, now, well, now I'm just... <laughs> This is such a non-answer. <laughs> I ask a question I can't even answer. I'm like, I like all of them. <laughs> you ask the question, you're like, ooh, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, really, I was trying to avoid your hard question. Where I was like, what? I don't know. What didn't you ask me? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, well, I, I want to hear what you guys think. <laughs> well, I would say uh, I would agree. I think fifth edition is the most accessible. I I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's a... Uh, it's like Stu says, it's uh, it's the blue jeans of uh, role-playing, I think. You know, where it's mm. easy to get into. Uh, I do have a soft spot for 3.5 as well, because I'm similar that that's what I started with in D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nostalgia. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's hard to not enjoy that a lot. So, But also, I like a lot of other non-D&D-type systems as well, since I mostly started out role-playing as a GM with Vampire the Masquerade. So, um, oh, interesting. Yeah. But I, I like a lot of stuff. Yeah. For me, even though I, even though I know Aaron introduced me as a newbie, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master's Guide and all of those things. Yes. So for me, I have a lot of nostalgia for the those early source books and primarily the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like the, sometimes I'll see like on some Instagram accounts, people will post some, you know, like first edition Beholder or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like so nostalgic (laughs) because the art was at once really awkward and basic, but sometimes just really amazing and cool. Yeah. It really hits both those notes, right? Yeah. So for (laughs) me, I just love that, that first edition artwork, just that black and white simplicity, which to me just really opened up a world of imagination for me yeah that's such a nice way to come to it i I do feel similarly too because i i remember like copying a lot of the art out of the books as a kid uh (laughs) we just had a lot of systems lying around like i also played gerps and there's some of the other ones there's like a heroes one like riffs no mutants and masterminds is one oh yeah yeah there's another there's another heroes one, but I can't recall it. It's escaping me, but yeah, some of them had like pretty low budget art, and I kind of love <laughs> yeah. that. Like, yeah, just black and white and varying quality. <laughs> yeah, well, and some of these these early covers and things were just like tracings of comic book 
Oh art. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was like, I think it was either the chainmail cover or one of the first D and D books was actually mm-hmm. a night, but it was a tracing of, of like a Marvel comic cover or something like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just reskinned. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty incredible. much. Wow. Okay. I have one last question. And then, so we are doing a nautical one shot uh, next weekend. And I'm curious if you could recommend any music that we should use for it. Oh, a nautical. That's, that's tricky. Yeah. Um, We've got pirates. We've got selkies. We've got sharknados. We've got tall sail ships. What about sirens? Any... We could do a siren for sure. We have like the the lighter version with the selkie, but we could totally do a you know a eat you know uh, some sailor sirens in there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like we all love the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, but it's so iconic that you can't uh, right. use it. You know what's a just like a secretly really good soundtrack though is the animated movie Sinbad. I think it was DreamWorks. They have this incredible sequence where they're getting, they're on a ship and and sirens are luring them to the rocks. And it's a really gorgeous piece. Definitely recommend that soundtrack. It's so good. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else comes to mind. I, I really like the the movie Master and Commander. Oh, it's good. Uh, I love that movie. You know, it's, yeah, the time period's probably not quite right. But it doesn't matter. We're talking about anachronism, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, such a good soundtrack for that one, too. Piratey cool. stuff. Hmm. I don't know. I'll. I almost have to think on that. <laughs> All right. Well, if you think of it between now and uh, next uh, Friday, let us know. Or this oh, upcoming yeah. Friday, rather. So, yeah, that'd be amazing. For sure. Well, that sounds really fun. Cool. Yeah. I love a good one shot. Oh yeah, we'll post some pictures on our uh, Instagram as well. It'll be entertaining. We we do these uh, once or twice a year where we gather a whole bunch of people and play a lot of games over a single weekend. Nice. Yeah, the format is so cool. Aaron came up with this. So two games of five-ish people mm-hmm. in the morning, and then all the players come together for an evening game. Cool. That's a, a big game. It's a big game for sure. <laughs> and then there's usually some like insane capacity. set piece miniature going on. Heck the first yeah. one that Aaron did, he had like a mannequin bust. And what what was that thing called? Some that's kind actually of the second one that I did. But yeah, oh, okay. the first one was the Dark Carnival. But yes, that one was a, it was a Void Walker and it was made out of an actual mannequin bus where it had platforms for all the players oh. to portal up to. And yes. then this massive battle against this sort of undead ghoul wizard. Was he pulled by it, he, he placed the map on the table and we lost about fifteen minutes because all the players just <laughs> obsessively took pictures of it. I was one of them. And you so know, know you did a good job. <laughs> yes. So wow, he like he like outdoes himself every time he does it. That yeah. was a COVID baby too. That actually was born out of it because we were kind of so tired of doing virtual tabletops. Oh, and I said, how about I we all just get together and uh, you know play just one time you know mm-hmm. this year and see how it goes. And everybody was super excited and it's just kind of become a tradition. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess during COVID, the thing that I started doing was uh, Monster of the Week. Most of the week. Yeah, so I learned that. Love how simple it is. And I also picked up Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ooh. I've played that forever. Uh, <laughs> lovely, expensive little hobby. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds like a fun weekend. We do something kind of similar with my dad's original gaming buddies. I think because it's just hard to meet once a week, although they've been mm-hmm. managing that recently. But we'll get together for a weekend and do like a, a number of one shots and usually some board games in between card cool. games. Yeah. 
Your dad and his buddies sound cool. (laughs) One weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're awesome. (laughs) Just casually mention to your dad, the podcast and see if maybe we can get him. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds awesome. (laughs) Random, random guy who played D&D. (laughs) Hey, sometimes those are, those are our best guests though. You know what I mean? Just people, cause we we're really just interested in not just the flashiness of the hobby, but like the, the thing that draws people to it and Aww, the charm yeah. of it you know what i mean i, I love that well yeah that these guys are kind of who started it and it's surviving because that generation is passing it on and i mean it, it's wonderful that there's all of these these let's plays with voice actors but it, it can make it look kind of yeah flashy as you said i think if if you only ever watch groups where they're all professional actors and they mm-hmm. can all do <clears throat> the accents and the voices and stuff and they're great improvisers, it's, it's easy to forget there's also just normies playing, <laughs> doing mm-hmm. our best. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that component of it. That's well said. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to bring us to a close, right, Brian? Yeah. Hildy, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a great conversation and we're so excited to be introduced to your music and excited for more of it. Thanks so much for having me here. On our Patreon and YouTube channels. They're great. Um, Yeah. Come say hi. (laughs) Sweet. And now, you know, once she posts, you got to respond really quickly and you might get a reply from her. (laughs) It's true. The first 20 minutes, if you show up early. (laughs) Set your alert so you know. (laughs) Before I run away. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Please check us out on our Instagram and at our website, InfernalSchoolhouse.com. Oh, and we sell stuff on Etsy, too. Thanks, everyone. See ya.